I'm sure we'll talk about the Bengals a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm oh. saying that right off the top. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, Caitlin's a fan. All right. So don't even do that to me. She's a fan all of a sudden. I had to get into it with somebody over that. They're like, oh, yeah, you're a Bengals fan now. I'm like, don't even start with me, buddy. Like, I've been a Bengals fan since I was a child. Yeah. Welcome back to another edition of the Goat Zoom Room. It's been a little while, been going through a little bit of stuff. So we are back and better than ever. We are joined by a special guest today. Of course, this is Caitlin and my lovely co-host Andy as usual. But we are joined by a very special guest today, that being Brian Howard. And Brian, in my opinion, is kind of like a jack of all trades in this industry. He's owned horses. He's a very experienced handicapper. He's done a lot of stuff with a couple of different companies, ABR, Stable Duel. So he's had a lot going on and is a very prominent face, I would say, right now, especially on um, Twitter and other social medias right now in the industry. He's kind of a little bit of an influencer, I would say. So we are joined by Brian. And Brian, of course, along with me and Andy, is a huge Bengals fan that, I mean, Brian, right now, that has to be the forefront of what's going on in your life, aside from horse racing, maybe even bigger. I'm sure bigger. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Right now, I mean, we've only waited, what, like 32 years to be back in this spot, you know, (laughs) maybe even more than that. Um, Yeah, it's nice to walk around with my Bengals gear and not get made fun of. You know, people are coming up and I'm catching who days everywhere. Uh, You know, I was in, (laughs) in Miami for the for the uh, Pegasus and had to watch the AFC championship in a bar with blackjack. And I was surprised at how many Bengals fans were there. So I got to experience it with some, you know, people outside of the family and it was fun. So the big times for sure. My big question is how many Bengals fans were actually Bengals fans during the 1980 debacles. That's what I want. Look, probably not very many Andy, but uh, you know what, at this point, who cares? They want to jump on, jump on. Oh, yeah. I mean, now I don't care, but I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. It's like probably just the locals. No, yeah, you we... know what? Yeah, I'll even say, I'll say it. I mean, I honestly think that one of the things that, and a friend, my friend brought it up to me during the, during the, uh, during the AFC playoff game, right? He's like looking around and he goes, he goes, where were these people like during the, the early 2000s? And, the 2010s and all of a sudden they just start showing up it's like it's great that they're there but you ride or die man you don't just you don't just sit there you don't just come when things are good kind of deal yeah no i agree with that 100 uh you know i i've dealt with the whole thing what there was a bingles writer earlier this week or maybe even at the end of last week that tweeted out something about you know if we were here for this time and you know you know, thanks for sticking with us. And I'm like, buddy, like this time, like what about Jeff Blake and John Kitna and Gus Farratt and Neil O'Donnell and Kijana Carter and Achilles Smith? (laughs) We've dealt with much worse than that. You do realize, you do realize you're naming players that Caitlin wasn't even born for, right? Yeah. Well, that's okay. (laughs) Thank God she didn't have to witness them like we did. Although I did love Jeff Blake, man. Those those teams were always fun, and, like, he threw such a great deep ball. And just – I don't know how those teams didn't win more games. Under – under well, Dave Shula. 
Um, underrated, uh, uh, Dave Shula, Dick LeBeau come to mind. Um, I always loved Darnay Scott. I thought Darnay Scott was underrated for a wide receiver. Uh, yep. Pickens. Pickens was great. Pickens and Darnay Scott just deep the deep from Jeff Blake all day long. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame Caitlin wasn't around for those really really rough times. I mean, I think the Reds made up for it for me. What a <laughs> well, on her chest. And... Well, I'm, I'm a Reds fan too, Caitlin. So, oh, I, mean, I know. The, the good news about the Reds is I did see them win a World Series, and, and when they won it, game four, their clinching game, was actually on my 10th birthday, so I'm aging myself a little bit here. But uh, So that was my birthday party is watching I'll the Reds. I got I'll to age, stay up late. I'll age myself even further. I think that was 1991 when they won. 90, yeah. 1990, and I was in my first, my second year of college. One they won. So yeah, that that's going on. <laughs> You've got to age yourself even more. You gotta age myself here. But um I gotta get I gotta ask. Uh, a did you know that Blackjack was recording you when he posted that vi- video on Facebook? No, no, are you talking about the celebration at the end? And the crime? No, I hadn't I hadn't had no idea, man. I mean <laughs> I think you I think you pretty I think it was Something that needed to be done. Caitlin, did you cry? I sure did. I think we all cried. I think. Yeah. I remember we texted as soon as they kicked the field goal, and I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And you're like, I'm crying. I, I got to be honest. I got to be honest with you. The first win, the win against the Raiders, I think I cried more for that than I did the Chiefs game. Oh, I was. I actually was around my buddies and I were like hugging each other. Like, yeah, like we hardly ever, we hardly ever hug and we were hugging each other. We were just like, I love you, man. (laughs) I mean, it's been forever guys. Like we're allowed to do that. Like if they do it again next year, I probably won't cry. No, 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 no. I think, I think I've I've reached my quota on crying to be honest with you. I don't okay, know. Okay, but what we'll if they win? Sunday. Yeah. I was going to say, what if they win? Oh well, number one, um, if they win, uh, someone's getting a tattoo, um, and then number two, um, a shirt that I got for Christmas is going to be retired. I'm probably gonna. Be, I'm going to attempt to see if I cannot get it signed by some of the players next year. And put it in a frame. That would be sweet. What is it? Because, because here's the deal: I got it at Christmas time from my lovely better half, mm-hmm. and it says, "We almost win everything, almost all the time." Is the basic <laughs> of it, right? I like and it. She got me this shirt. That's a Bengal shirt, and since every time I've worn it. They have won. The only time I didn't wear it during the streak was against the Browns in um, the final game of the season. I just, hey, we clinched the playoffs. I don't really care. I want to, I hadn't even watched it. That's the other reason. So I didn't care. But mm-hmm. I, so it is literally four and zero right now. And it well, speak- on Sunday. Speaking of how we're talking about fans that like pop up out of nowhere 
Browns fans are not like that. Browns fans are like cockroaches. They don't go anywhere. They stick around through thick and thin. And I just like, I cannot believe it. Cause I know a lot of Browns fans and I'm like, the Browns, I don't know. They just get on my nerves. And I'm like, you don't get sick of this. Like, yeah, I don't know. What, what part of Ohio are you in? Or... Um, I'm about like 40 minutes from Cincinnati. So Cincy is definitely my home base and I'm frequent Columbus a lot too. So I'm just kind okay. of here, there and everywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm just, just, like you know, south of Cincinnati, I don't just don't run into many Browns fans, if ever. Uh, I mean, Lexington had quite a few when you know Tim Couch went there, mm-hmm. obviously. But uh, since Tim Couch has been gone, you you rarely hear anybody. It's all Steelers down here. They're everywhere. Oh, I think I think a lot of it is just because I have a lot of I have friends that are Browns fans, and like they have been for a long time. And I'm just like, <laughs> you should work on that. <laughs> I mean, I know how I feel about the Reds and, you know, obviously how we felt about the Bengals, but I, I just feel like no matter what the Browns do, it's never going to change. So I have, I have a friend of mine who's, who's a huge Cleveland Browns fan, and he is uh, unapologetically probably one of the funniest human beings, even though he's a Democrat, I've ever met. Right. So um, anytime the Bengals and the Browns play, he would uh, send me a he sends me basically a text message and it usually ends up like this. And I'll read it to you. Uh, He just says, hi, Andy. And then I have to respond. And then he says, an enjoyable contest of American football. Yes. He says, I would argue for all fans of sport. Agree to disagree, fellow sports ball fan, right? And then they lose again. And then he's like, an enjoyable contest of American football, yes? And it's like, <laughs> it's like every time they lose, this is the comment he makes. And I'm like, you know, they wrote a book about about Cleveland fans, and it's and it's a coloring book called Why Is My why is my daddy always sat on Sunday? Because of all the best things that happened in Cleveland. So, I mean, you've never seen one for the Bengals like that. They no. seriously, they are absolutely thick and thin. And I saw a tweet the other day that had me like in tears. The tweet said, um, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are exactly what we all thought Baker Mayfield and the Browns would be. And somebody quote tweeted that and was like, Nobody thought that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it was. Oh, crazy. they love Baker up there. I, I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> I can't figure it out. <laughs> I I'm I'm just over the moon happy, and um, you know, uh, if it wasn't for this dang weather, I'd probably be up there right now. Uh, but, Let's say, have the nerves set in for you guys yet? Because like yesterday, I started thinking about you know seven days from now. You know, we're going to be three hours from kickoff. And I started getting a little worked up. It's not as bad today, but it's like each day that gets closer, I think the nerves are going to start racking up for me. So it's so for me, I actually um, – the biggest time that I that I was nervous was uh, the wild card game. That was a game where I was just like, if we don't win, when are we ever going to win again? It's like this perfect storm. And then 
I've I've literally tweeted it out like a thousand times. We're playing with house money now. I could care less what happens. I'm happy we're in the Super Bowl. I'm ecstatic we're in the Super Bowl. But we, I didn't think we'd, I never expected to be in this position. So just enjoy the ride and, and have fun is basically all I'm saying. And yeah, I mean, if it's like I jokingly, like I, like I said to a bunch of people, you know, if it's, if we're close and the game is close and the game is on the line, I'm probably going to freak out at the end. No doubt. But, but yeah. 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 I'm, I'm similar to that. Uh, you know, I told everybody, I mean, if you've watched anything we've done at better than Vegas the past few weeks, I, I, I told them like, give me that one playoff win. If we get that one, I'm fine. Uh, we're still probably a year or two ahead of schedule uh, as far as growing as a team. So, you know, give me that one, I'll be fine. And then of course the next week we played the Titans and I wasn't fine. And then I said, well, we won that game. Now, if we, you know, if we, if we go to Arrowhead, if, if we lose the game, you know, it's, it's okay. And then I worked myself up again for that. And I'm sure I'll have myself worked up by, by the time kickoff rolls around. That'll be, it'll be fun. And you know, you were talking about better than Vegas. Um, I know that when you were with Stableville, you were bringing it up. Uh, what what exactly is uh, better than Vegas for those people that don't know? And um, did you did you start that, or was that just something you that fell into your lap? How did how did that all work? So so actually, when I was at Stable Duel, um, this the company better than Vegas, they the website company, whatever you want to call us. Um, they, they came in and they did some stuff with this. Uh, you may remember uh, one of my coworkers, Leo, he would jump on live streams for horse racing, even though he'd never seen a horse race before stable mm-hmm. and, and things of that nature. And then, uh, there was one weekend where we had, uh, Leo in and, and blackjack of course came in to do some stuff for us. And, you know, me, Leo and blackjack hung out quite a bit over the weekend and, but like two weeks later, Blackjack's actually like running that company. Like he's the number two guy under the owner. And so, you know, we always did, did some stuff. We had a friendly relationship with stable duel, which we still do. We still do some things with them. And uh, you know, just at the right time, Blackjack said, Hey man, would you entertain an offer? I, I said, of course I would like anybody. And they offered me something that allows me to work from home and, and be around the kids and uh, more, obviously. And, you know, just be at home more. It's, it's nice. Uh, as far as what it is, it's actually the best way to describe it, guys, is like it's almost a YouTube for, for sports handicappers, which whether it be horses, soccer, tennis, golf, whatever, um, you know, all your major sports, obviously. And you can go in there and you, you post your videos and it kind of gets your face out there kind of gives you an opportunity to build your own platform of followers. Um, it's all free. Uh, we don't charge anybody for anything. And then, you know, we do our shows now um, and, and we do shows. I mean, we've probably bugged the hell out of everybody with the amount of shows we've been doing, but uh, you know, we got good guys in there, good people. And uh, it's just, it's fun. I mean, honestly, I can say work doesn't feel like work. I'm number one. I, I like the, I, you know, I jumped, I think I still even have my platform for it, but I jumped on and I liked it. I, I just didn't think that for me personally, as far as like 
to do it for stable doulas or to show my stable doula picks was really the way to go about doing that platform kind of way. Yeah, that's always been a weird dynamic with stable doula because everybody can play the same thing. It's like daily fantasy stuff. Um, a lot of times, you know, and, and we do that for football too, which, you know, we give out lineups, of course, and it's such a more broad, like, I could play mine on DraftKings. You can play yours on FanDuel. It's not going to affect anything, but StableDuel is the one common denominator for the daily fantasy horse racing. So I get that. Um, we, we do have some guys that get in there and handicap. So no, you no, know, I if see, you ever want to throw some picks? No, I, I see that, and I would love to do it. I mean, I think Caitlin, Caitlin probably has a issue because she's with Twin Spires and all that. Um, but, you know, I think – Maybe, what, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. Get your, get your, it's not like you're not like on the big screen in Vegas, you know. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> wait a minute, you're on a big screen in Vegas? Yeah, she, a friend of hers, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, yeah, they, they had me um, side by side with the one of the Bengals games, the playoff games. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, I don't know how that happened, but I don't either. But I think <laughs> it's cool. Uh, but you know, I think it's just one of those things to where I, I like it. I think there's a huge following for it, and um, you know, especially with horse racing in general, I think it's a good way to do it. Um, you know, you just gotta retweet and retweet and retweet, and I think Caitlin's better at it than I am, but. Um, I love it. And, you know, we've had Blackjack on before and he doesn't pull punches mm-hmm. and he tells you what he thinks. And I think he called me an idiot, which is fine because I probably deserved it. And uh, I don't remember when it was over, though. No, nah, I don't either. Like, was he being serious? I'll probably. No. I was like, I've never heard him say anything bad. <laughs> Vic Stopper, no. Vic Stopper, Not about you all. <laughs> Vic Stopper basically told me I wasn't a, a good handicapper one day during, during our Zoom. It's hard to tell if Vic is being serious or not, though. No, he probably wasn't either. But I mean, it's just one of those things, you know. It, I like the I like the connections between you. I think you and Blackjack do such an amazing job together. Um, it's a shame you guys don't have like a serious XM kind of deal to where you guys are talking two hours a day. <laughs> Maybe one day, man. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, Blackjack's become one of my closest friends. Like I said, we we met in March early April. That was the first time we'd actually met. We'd been on a couple of live streams for Stableville together. And next thing you know, we're owning horses together. We're, you know, I go down and visit him. He comes up and visits us. Like, I mean, it's, uh, he's like a brother to me. I mean, just being honest with you. I mean, like, again, like working for him's a breeze. Uh, if he's got something to say, he says it. There's no hard feelings. If I got something to say, I say it, we're, you know, it is what it is. He's genuinely one of the nicest people I think I've met in this industry. And I met him, I want to say like three or four years ago. And I haven't stayed in touch with him as much as I would have liked to, but I saw him a ton out in California. He and I have a lot of mutual friends together and he's, he's just somebody that I really respect. And like, I love that, you know, he has went to school for a very serious job, but you would never know it. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny, too, because anytime we're out, you know, people recognize him much more than they do me. But, uh, you know, it's always funny because 
he he genuinely is. And, you know, people see him in front of a camera and think, oh, this guy's probably lame. No, the guy is genuinely an outstanding human being, like would give you the shirt off his back at any time. Like if I needed something, I can call him at any time. I know he'll help me out. And uh, and I think in this industry, especially, you know, you don't find a lot of people like that. So the ones you do, you better latch on to. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, pretty impressive. He's really, really an impressive human being, to say the least. Yeah, I felt I felt awful uh, down at the Pegasus. I got to meet Barry Spears for the first time. Again, another outstanding human being. Um, and, and I'm standing with him and Blackjack talking, and I'm like, I'm the worst human being out of all three of these, and I think I'm a pretty good guy. <laughs> it's weird how that happens, right? <laughs> Right. It's like you get around people that you're like, oh, man, I, I might be the worst, worst of the bunch here. It's like when I met uh, uh, Rob in Kentucky or who you got there and uh, Gorgonzola and a couple other people. And I'm like, oh, man, this is this this is kind of uh, stressful because I'm probably the worst out of all of them. Like those guys won't pick a fight, but I might. Well, again, if, if you're the worst out of the three, I, I'm sure you're in pretty good company. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've got we've got some things we want to talk about horse racing wise, obviously. And, you know, uh, I guess the big one is uh, the death of Spitzer. And I'm going to bring this over to to Caitlin, because obviously um, you're the breeding breeding guru. So. How big of an effect do you think it'll have on the breeding programs for, for the rest of the year? Well, I don't think it will affect the United States too much, unfortunately, because he was an export. He was going to Canada. But I am very sad and very upset for the Canadian breeding industry because they were really, really excited about Spicer. And although he wasn't necessarily my cup of tea as a stallion, um, I just wasn't, you know, super impressed with what his progeny were doing, but he is a very impressive horse in the flesh and is very correct. And is just a really good looking horse. And he bred a lot of horses here in the United States. So to lose a stallion like that, um, coming into a new program kind of reminds me of, um, when I want revenge passed away after moving to Indiana, it, it sucks it would be like a top-notch horse here. Like if he, he is the type of horse going into Canada, coming from a place like Windstar um, and having the um, <clears throat> popularity that he had in his first couple of years here in the States, that would be like losing Maxfield or something like that. That same type of a caliber horse that's going up to Canada. So I, I think that's awful. And these people did a private purchase of him. They were really excited about him. He was going to a farm that had just a few other stallions and he was going to really be the star of the show. His book was full. You don't find that very often in Canada. So it's just a, it's a really big blow to the Canadian breeding industry because, you know, they use our stallions probably more than they use theirs, but he was going to be definitely a standout for that breeding industry. So it, it sucks. Yeah, I think, I think it's one of those deals to where, at least for me, I think I think the one thing that that comes out of it that's kind of like 
really bad is the fact that that you know you how can I put it? He he was so dimensional as far as the stallion was concerned. Mm-hmm. I think that with with the addition of of having like you know a lot of those trainers that are in that are in Canada that would most likely owners that would breed to them bring horses down to down to Florida during the summertime. Uh, Martin Drexler, William Theranos. So it's kind of heartbreaking to know that you know they they probably were looking at that horse and going, man, we got we could breed and. They would, we would be able to go to this horse and this horse, and they wouldn't have issues. And now, you know, it'll be a little more difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so many things that go on with it. And based off, you know, what I've read from it, it it just sounds like, you know, an unfortunate accident. And I mean, it's not like he had like shipping fever, which I believe is what I Want Revenge had or anything like that. It was just, he was cast in a stall, right? Yeah. That's what I thought. And I mean, if you know anything about horses, horse racing, any horse discipline, sometimes that happens at night and they freak out. And unfortunately, something happens. It's not super common, but it's common enough where, you know, you have heard about it. You've had heard it happen to other, you know, prominently named horses. So it's it's unfortunate. But, you know, getting into new surroundings because I believe he just had gotten up there getting into new surroundings and you know the stress sometimes freak stuff just happens yeah it's just sad too I I feel like we've we've just had a rash of of uh mares and stallions going down you know lately and it's like each one that does, it's like you start looking back at their racing career and some of their progeny. It's just, it's sad for the game because, you know, the Spitesters, the Spitester reigns over and it was really just getting started. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many mares and stallions. It seems like the past couple of years, some of them were a little bit older, like Leslie's lady Galileo, unfortunately, you know, they they were a little bit more, in age, but still nowhere, you know, they were healthy and things just happened. But then you think of when uh, we found out British idiom had passed away in Japan, still don't know what happened there. Um, Laubon dying last year from a freak illness that nobody knows what happened. And then there's just so many things just seem to keep popping up in the breeding industry more so than I've really ever seen here lately. And I don't know if that's just, you know, stress on the animals from moving or just stress in general or just wear and tear on the body. It's it's really hard to tell. Do you think part of it is, too, that, uh, you know, with social media and stuff, everything's so instant now. We find out like right away that all this stuff happens. And it, it just seems like there's there's more news. It seems like there's more of everything going on in the world, if it, if you understand what I'm trying to say here, like, you know, with, with school shootings and things like that, it seems like there's twice as many as there were 10 years ago. Is that because of the news cycle, if you will, and that everybody's a reporter now, or. I would say that definitely has something to do with it. And I think a lot of it has to do with everybody's looking to blame somebody for everything. Yeah. So (laughs) amen to that. So you've got to put it out there and you've got to point fingers 
Cause that's, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying the spitester situation is like that, but I feel like you got to throw something out there immediately be like, look at this, look at this, look at this. Okay. And yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Andy. No, go ahead. no I'm finished. I'm finished oh. with that thought. No, I was just going to say, you know, the other thing is, is that they're like EPM is so prevalent in, in thoroughbreds as of late. It's something that's, you know, a lot of horses have had. I, I can remember Count Lodge having it quite, mm-hmm. quite badly. bad. And he had it so bad that we never, like at Old Friends especially, we never knew whether or not, you know, whether or not something tragic would ever happen to him. Uh, as far as him, you know, bring, we pushed him further back in the farm just in case something ever happened when, you know, people would come to tour, right? Because you never know when something like that would happen. Sadly, you know, it just happened to be right before one of our tours that something bad happened. Um, but, um, you know, it, I was actually shocked that we were able to keep it under wraps for three days um, without anybody knowing it um, because there was a tour going on and there was a lot of stuff going on as well. So, um, you know, I guess if you know, if, if you're able to be able to be in the situation where you know something bad has happened, whether it's at a farm or on the racetrack or, or even like yourself, Caitlin, where you're, you're on track all the time or Brian, who, who follows horse racing all the time. I mean, you know, it, if you can keep it as quiet as possible, as much as you want to be on top of top of the news cycle, sometimes it's not a good idea to be on top of the news cycle. No, I go ahead, Brian. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying there. It's like we, we talked a little bit before the show about the, the mayor that Blackjack and I had that got claimed off of us. The only reason I know what happened is I just happened to see, like, TVG didn't even show. It was on the gallop out, and she took a funny step and went down, but you didn't actually see her go down. You just saw the funny step. And the only reason I knew what had happened is because I knew somebody that was at the track, and I I just texted him and I'm like, tell me, I didn't just see that and tell me she just got up. She's okay. And he was like, no, they got the curtains out. And I'm like, okay. But other than that, you would never know. It's not in the chart. It wasn't on the news cycle. Penn national didn't uh, say anything about it. It was just like, she never existed. Well, let me ask you, let me ask you guys a question. Um, so our website follows a lot of, international racing and i think the steward stewards notes outside of here outside of the u.s i think they're a lot better here um or not better here but better in like dubai would you rather see something like that in the states to where everybody knows what's going on or would you rather kind of not see that um Um. Well, my first reaction is I agree with you. I I love the stewards reports or um, notes, if you will, um, they put out. Uh, I think Caitlin tweeted some the other day that I I read. They're so interesting. And, you know, I I think in this industry, the, the hiding of things is the big problem with its relationship to the public. Um, you know, you just got to be honest. I mean, I, you know, honesty is the best policy. I think we all learn that as, as children and, you know, even as horrible as it may be sometimes, if you're honest, maybe that pr- promotes change and people really do say, Hey, you know what? We need to make some changes here that makes this game safer to the, to the animals and the jockeys. Um, 
So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. In fact, I'd go a step further. I was talking with blackjack uh, after the Pegasus and, you know, a lot of times in big races over there, those jockeys got a got a microphone in front of their face, asking them about the ride, whether they won the race or finished dead last, and what was going on. And and I think we'd get a lot more, um, you know, uh, full disclosure, if you will. Like, uh, you know, people questioned Joel's ride and letting life is good run off from Nick's go, and I think Joel would would have done a service to himself by coming out and just saying what was going through his mind. I don't think anybody criticized him for, you know, split second decisions. Uh, but the, the fact of not knowing, I think bothers people. I think with the whole Joel deal though, I mean, if you look at the PPs of Nick's go, the only time he got beat was when he couldn't get the lead. And so I think once he didn't get the lead, I think Joel had to take a different step different approach to that race. Right? Yeah. And well, that's what I'm saying. And, and I think, I think if, if he gets a microphone or, or does, you know, a press conference afterwards, it says, Hey, look, um, you know, we didn't get the lead. I didn't want to use the horse up. I thought the best way to finish in the money was to, to do what I did. I don't think anybody's got a problem with that. Yeah. Caitlin. Definitely agree with the stewards notes. And I think that they're interesting. And um, I think a lot of it is not only do you figure out where the horses are after the races? I think it's a good way to hold people accountable in all angles. Agreed. I I mean, I kind of hate having to go through. I I think one of the good things is, um, you know, I go through all the Stewart's notes for Dubai and, you know, it kind of stinks when like I tweeted out yesterday, wrecking crew died. Right. And it's like that dude was with Peter Miller. He was off for a year and a half came back to, went to Dubai, ran a couple of eh, races, and then broke down. So it's kind of like, you know, it's like it stinks. It, it, it does, but usually they're a lot sound. They don't have issues in Dubai as often as they do in, in, in the States. And this is uh, the second, second horse that they have to euthanize in the last two weeks of the, of the Dubai World Carnival that, that – um, that is a name horse and kind of stinks, um, but it happens. Uh, but I, I would, I would love to see everybody show because, you know, they do put a responsibility to the trainers. They put a responsibility to the jockeys. I think the best notes that I see out of, out of Dubai are uh, rider advised that the horse hung left throughout the, throughout the race or hung right throughout the race. So basically he's not changing leads or he's trying to pull out or he's trying to pull in. So, you know, or he was mildly lame. How, I mean, how great would that be if you knew that a horse was lame coming out of a race at Churchill or coming out of a race at Turfway? It would, it would be incredible. And I think it just adds, you know, so much more to the game, obviously with handicapping, you know, those things coming out of those races. So, you know, when to toss a horse and when not to, or, like one of the angles I have, and I mean, you don't see it too often, but I definitely use it when I can is I will bet a horse back after they bled because it's like they basically ran a non-effort. So I'm willing to do stuff like that, but it would be nice to see the stewards reports on that. Cause I bet there's a lot more that you don't see that are in those comment lines that are just not in the Equibase. I mean, all we have at our disposal is Equibase notes and a replay and word of mouth if you're lucky 
<laughs> and I mean, that's, that's literally it. But I mean, think of how much more it would add if you did hear what the stewards heard. And literally the only time I've ever heard of anything hearing from the stewards, getting a peek from anything from the stewards was the 2019 Kentucky Derby debacle. You don't see or hear about them in any way, shape, or form other than a humongous scandal like that. Yeah, you're right, especially on the bleeding thing, Caitlin. Um, I agree with you, especially <laughs> the the mayor that I was talking about. When we claimed her, she actually bled a little bit that day. And, uh, you know, we ended up deciding to take her and, and treat her for that, give her a couple, you know, a little bit of time off, get her treated, get her fixed up, you know, figure out how we're going to run her again. And, you know, she started rattling off wins once we got it under control. So it's, it's amazing how much easier they can run when they're not bleeding. Right. Well, and what's so unreal to me is, you know, with the way they're trying to phase out Lasix, which I'm not for or against, I don't really have a stance on it either way, but okay. So you got to let people know what horses did after the races. You can't just be like, Ooh, I don't know. If we're just like not using Lasix at this point, because you know they're bleeding. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know if they're bleeding, right? I mean, there's no, I mean, I don't know that every horse is, but I know a significant amount probably are and it's not being reported. So here, before, I mean, so I know for an instance, right? I know Richard Mandel is like famous for this. If a horse doesn't run to his understanding or or to where he thought the horse would run, immediately the vet is there because he's already mm-hmm. called the vet. He's already he's already wanting to do an endoscopy to make sure that this horse does not did not bleed. Like because Lasix to him is like the last resort, right? Right. And so like those are the types of trainers that I would rather I would rather understand. I know that they're going to use Lasix just because, right? They're right. Not using Lasix just because they're using Lasix because of a situation. And I think Lasix has become oh, we got to use it for every horse, and that's not the case. I would I would prefer it. Um, it's something that I don't mind, but I absolutely agree with you. It shouldn't. Well we're just going to use it just because we can use it. I think it should be something where you have to have a veteran veterinarian note for a specific course to be able to use it. It has to be presented, you know, before races saying you do have permission to use this. You have to run a horse and have one start without it before you can see if they're able to use it. I know um, when most horses from out of the States come over here, if it's legal to be used in the races they're running in, it's not able to be used in stake races anymore, but it was in the past. Aiden O'Brien will put the, put it on his horses because, you know, he was just able to use it. And I mean, who knows how many horses over there bleed? I would say it's a significantly less amount than it is here because our horses have not been, those horses have not been bred to be dependent on it. Yeah. So here, here's, here's a, here's an interesting tidbit. For if a horse bleeds in a visually bleeds in a race in Dubai, the horse automatically goes on the vets list. He is not permitted to train nor jog for 21 days before he goes back into training. 
regardless, because he's bled during a race. Why can't we have those same rules here? That would make too much sense. I was like, <laughs> you want to be honest about it? <laughs> I think we all know the reason. It's, it's, it's great. Like most of the horses here, I mean, yeah, we've got our stakes horses, but the, but the game survives on lower to mid-level claimers, man. And if they're not running, they ain't making money. Nobody wants to sit out a 5,000 claimer three weeks. And, and eat up training bills. I'm not saying it's right. It's not obviously. And, and some owners won't, and some trainers won't, uh, won't risk the horse, but there's too many out there that will right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, we've all been around some tracks. I mean, we're not talking Keeneland and, and Santa Anita and, 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 uh, you know, Saratoga and, and big tracks around the country, but it's these mid to lower level tracks where there's some stuff that goes on, man, that we all know ain't right. You know, and you know, I'm not going to call names out or point fingers, but I mean, we've tried to claim several horses in several States over the past few months. And it's like, every time we get a horse to look at, it's like, Oh, we don't, the, tra- the person who was going to claim it for us, like, ah, oh, you don't want this one. You know, it looks like it's got a bowed tendon. I'm like, a bowed tendon? Why is it running? Like, if you can see it, why so, is the horse running? I will, no, I mean, I will I will defend the bowed tendon, um, and I'll tell you why. Bill Spar used to have a filly called Flom back in the 80s, and she ran with a bowed tendon. That's Yeah, and, and some of them can, Andy, and, and, and that's right. But I'm talking about these some of these horses, I, I mean – for, for lack of better terms, it's it's almost one of those wink, wink, nod, nods that gets them off the vets list and able to be run. And just depending on where you are and, you know, who you are and who you know and who you're working with, it's it means all the world in this business, you know. But that's there, was, the there was one that I saw on Twitter probably a couple months ago that had been barred from a track, but was over at a track in Pennsylvania. And they're like, look at this bowed tendon. The ho- it was sticking clear out of the back of the horse's leg. And I mean, Stevie Wonder could have saw it. Anybody that had no horse knowledge could have been like, yeah, this horse has a bowed tendon. I mean, maybe it's been that way for a while. And the horse, you know, just has built up a tendency to run with it. And it's not that bad, but eventually it is going to go bad. So, I mean, even if it is a cheaper or a lower level claiming horse, is their life worth risking more than anybody else's? It all depends. I mean, the sad part is, is that the game has gotten to a point to where it's all about money and it's not about, it's not about the welfare of the horse. I hate to say that, but it's true. Yeah. But- and, you know, when we got in the game, um, we always said, look, it's, it's horse, horse and rider first. Um if we lose money, we're not going to lose a ton. We're out and we're done, you know? Um, but that's what, and, and that's where it bothers me that even at these, at the smaller tracks, at the lower levels, if your horse isn't sound and you're putting their, them out there on the track, you're not just risking that horse's life. You're risking jockey's lives too. And like, I don't want to be responsible for someone being catastrophically injured, whether that's a horse, a rider, a, a gate worker, anybody. I don't want anybody to be hurt because I tell a trainer to run a horse that isn't sound. So, you know, the trainer we use in Pennsylvania, she's outstanding. Uh, she does everything she can for the horse. And we always tell her, like, if, if, if the horse is hurt or, or needs some time off, just tell us. Like, it's fine. 
give it the time off it needs because I don't want to put anybody's life at risk, especially the horse or rider. That's too logical. <laughs> I, I hear it. I guess that's why I'm not that bad of a guy, right? I mean, it, it just is. It's just way too logical for people, right? It's just like, oh, yeah, you know, let's, let's make sure that the people that are actually involved in the race are taken care of. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. And that's what we, we tell our riders every every time we've we've made the trip up to Pennsylvania, we we leg up the rider or, or they're talking to him before the race. It's always like, hey, you two just bring, come home safe. That's all we care about. If you win, great. If you don't, just come home safe. Yeah. We um we had several instances last week, or it was actually a week ago from yesterday, where unfortunately there were parts of the track at Turfway that were not thawing the way they should have been. It was a little bit uneven. And I know there were tons of people complaining. They're like, why are you canceling? The weather's not that bad. This is an all weather track. And I'm like, does it even matter to you that somebody's fighting for their life right now because of a small instance? You can risk not betting one day. We have to close the track. Okay. It's unbelievable. Here's the problem with that. Um, I think Turfway, no offense, and I know I'm going to get in trouble for this. Um, I think Turfway did itself a disservice to not come out and say, to come out, they just basically said racing was canceled, right? I think they did themselves a disservice because sooner or later that's going to get out as to why it ha- why they canceled. And of course, yeah. Ray Handel had to come out and say, hey, look, we had a bad accident on Sunday on the track, our, our rider is having issues. Come help him. Give us money. Right. If they would have just said, Hey, look, we had a training accident. Um, we apologize, but there will be no racing today. I think everybody would have just understood it instead of complaining and moaning about what, why they canceled. No. And you're, you're definitely right. I absolutely agree with that. But I think, you know, there's so many people that don't understand what happens behind in the background or quite frankly, don't care. So I think that's what bothers me sometimes. Oh, so you just, you, yeah, I get it. So Brian, as we let you go here and we've had a good conversation here, I do want to mention one thing before we go um, and before I ask any questions, but I would be remiss not to bring up the death of alphabet soup, soupy. Um, uh, one of the reasons why we haven't been on, uh, it's actually been rough on me personally because I love that horse so much. But um, Caitlin, I know you got a chance to be with him a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Any thoughts? Just an outstanding type of horse. And I think one thing that really says a testament to a lot of his personality is you know, some of the horses that do go to old friends after they have been pensioned or when they've finished from stud duty, some of those horses are gelded. He's one of the stallions there that have not been gelded. And his personality, you would think he was just a lovely, old, nice gelding. And he even had his little friend George with him. And he was just one of the kindest creatures I've ever been around. And he was the type of horse that you could just see it in his eyes, how intuitive he was. And horses have a way with that, especially with, you know, children and disabled people, older people. 
and things like that. They just have a certain way about them. And he was just very much that type of course. You could just tell he was intelligent, you know, beyond his species and just a humongous loss. I remember reading that and just my heart just sank. I mean, obviously he was old. He lived 31 great years and old friends gave him plenty of extra years in retirement. And he was able to be shared with so many people and he probably outlived way longer than most people thought because he certainly, you know, did have issues, but he was just, he was a pleasure to be around. And I mean, game on dude is my absolute baby at the farm. I go to the farm multiple times a year, but alphabet soup was a very close second. Uh, Absolutely gorgeous horse too. Just gorgeous. Now you've been out old friends, right? I mean, you live in Lexington. Yeah. I've been there once. I have not been there, Andy. And God, I couldn't tell you how long, but I, I mean, I was probably in my teens, early teens. The last time I was there. Oh, wow. You got to make a trip there, man. I, I do. I'm so big. I'm raising two kids right now, man. It's kind of rough. Doesn't leave me a lot of free time. I mean, um, I will say this about him. I will say this about Alphabet Soup. I, I agree with you, Brian. I think that horse is just absolutely amazing to look at. I think that the photo of Barbara Livingston with the rainbow in the background basically pretty much summed it up. The kindest eyes you will ever see on a stallion uh, next to Silver Charm. But I think the one thing that we'll always remember is that you always, there was an air to alphabet soup. And I always told us on my tours, I said, I always told people, I said, he'll allow you to pet him. He'll allow you to, to love on him. But if you do it roughly, or if you do it to a point to where he feels like he's being disrespected, He's going to let you know you're being disrespectful. And I remember some guy was like, oh, you don't know. you. I, I can do just about anything with this horse. See, ha, ha, ha. And, I mean, he didn't have much teeth left, but he did nip the guy. And I still remember going, man, I'm telling you right now, this horse is just regal. He wants respect. That's all he wants. So if he's telling you to back off, just back off. Because he he he's not he wasn't afraid to to let you know when he wasn't wasn't happy with you. Yeah. And I love that about horses. The the classy ones usually will will take it take it take it until they've had enough and then they'll they'll bury you. <laughs> to say yeah. right, I mean, Warren I always, Warren yeah, was one I, of those. I always love the. I mean, horses have such great personalities, and you guys have been around them enough, like I have growing up and stuff. I always love the ones that are just so nice and kind when they're in the stall or you're walking them around, but man, you put, you put that saddle on them or that bridle and they know it's go time and their, their moods completely change. Like they know it's time to go to work and it's just, it's so awesome. They're, they're awesome animals and I couldn't be happier to be around them. Wow. I, I will say this before we go, and I ask you your final, the final question. But um, have you guys ever heard of a horse called an exclusive partner? I have not. Have you I want to them? say yes. So, partner was a horse that uh, Richard Mandela had back in the early '90s. He was a turf stakes horse. That horse was so 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 smart, and one day he had a greenhorn trying to walk him 
uh, in the afternoon, probably about probably about four four thirty, like right in the middle of all the racing, like the end of the races, the stakes races. And Parker had this deal where if he knew you were a greenhorn and you were new, he would start nipping at you while you were trying to put the halter on him. And this this girl just was like trying to get it on him, and she thought he got it on him and took him outside and started walking him. And about three steps in, he reared and the halter came off because he, she didn't tighten it. And he looked at the halter, he looked at the girl, and he waited for the girl to go and pick up the halter. And when he did, he reared up and took off running. And he, <laughs> ran, around, he ran around the barn and got behind her. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, and I'm just like laughing because what am I supposed to do? I can't be mad at the girl. I can't be mad at the horse. The horse is just having a good old time. And finally Richard comes in and Richard's like, grabs the halter and the horse just stops doing whatever he was doing and just puts on the halter, walks and gives it back to the girl and says, you need to tighten the halter and then walk back into the barn. It's just <laughs> one of those things, man. Horses are smart. They know when pe certain people are on them and it's it's an awesome feeling to know when when you get to see that with a horse. Yep. All right. So Super Bowl Sunday, I'm gonna say no to the uh, to saying who I who I think is gonna win. Um, I will say I just want to see a close game, and you know nobody gets hurt. I still remember the Tim Crumry injury. You know the first offensive play of the game last year. And uh, and uh, I really, truly hope that it's a really good game. And let's not have a, a Stanley Wilson in, in situation again. Nope. <laughs> Don't need uh, that. Caitlin doesn't know about that either. But <laughs> what do you guys, what do you guys uh, hope? No Lewis Phillips situations either. We need to oh, make sure we. Yeah. yeah. We need to make sure we actually secure the interception before we. Uh, Start running with it there, Lewis. Um, I don't know, man. I just feel like this one's kind of written in the stars. Like, this is kind of a team of destiny. Big game Joe always shows up for the big games. So, you know, I think – look, I think the Bengals are going to play loose. I don't think there's any pressure on them. So, uh, you know, these kids are all young. They know they'll hopefully be back again where guys like Stafford and Whitworth don't know that. And uh, shout out, I wouldn't – if they do win, I'm not going to be mad that either two of those guys got a Super Bowl. But uh, I'll give you a prediction. Bengals 27, Rams 20. I like that. I, I, I'm just – you know, I, I'm a lot like you guys, just so happy to be along for the ride. And you can't ask for anything more. They've come way farther than everybody thought they would. So let's just enjoy what we have here while we've got it. But like you said, I, I think, you know, this is something that has been we've waited for for so long. And it's kind of a written in the stars type of thing. But I'm not sure at the moment, but definitely, you know, hope for a win. And I think the hardest team for them to get past, in my opinion, probably was the Chiefs. So why not do it one more time? I like it. I kind of agree with you, Brian. Um, I think that they – I think really the pressure is going to be all on the Rams because they're playing at home. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Um, 
I still I, I don't know if you guys follow NFL memes at all. I do um, social media, <laughs> but my personal favorite one of the of the weeks leading up so far to the Super Bowl was after uh, two years of the home team getting the NFL um, or the home team getting getting into the Super Bowl and play, playing at home as the host. Um, all games will be all Super Bowls are now going to Dallas because Dallas doesn't win anything. Yes, I love <laughs> that. that. I, I thought that was great. That was good. Um, but we'd love to have you on. I'm glad we finally got yeah. you back on again. Um, yeah. You know, uh, it's been too long and we wanted to get you on and glad we could talk some Bengals football. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate it, guys. Anytime, you know, I love what you guys are doing and you're, you guys are both great for the uh, horse industry and in that cesspool that is sometimes horse Twitter, man, it's, it's nice to have a few friendlies around. So very excited to see what you all keep doing. Of course, no, no friendlies when it comes to Chelsea Villa, but. That's eh, all right. <laughs> but yeah, it's been great to have you on again.